This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Looking for a great place to bring your friends and family? Head on over to Carbach Brewing for some fresh craft beer and damn good eats. With our on-site restaurant and sprawling beer garden, there's always something for everyone to enjoy. So grab a Love Street Blonde or a Hopadillo IPA and kick back and relax. And keep up with all of our events by following us on social media at Carbach Brewing. Follow all of the off-season action on Asherline and come see us at the brewery for a cold beer seven days a week. Hey there, Astros fans. Welcome to Asherline. I'm Steve Sparks, radio broadcaster for the Astros, joined by... Jeff Blum, TV analyst for the Houston Astros. Blummer, great Hi. to great to be with you as always. Yep. <laughs> That's it. What an analyst. Dude. How man, you doing, that man? is so good. It's good to see you, Sparky. You're looking good, man. Thanks, buddy. Uh, man, I'm anxious, man. We get out to, to spring training in just about a week and a half, and, and things are looking good. I think the, the Astros have had an underrated yeah. offseason, and we're going to talk to a lot of people within our division and see where everybody else thinks they stack up but i like the astros chances yeah we'll we'll expand on some of this stuff maybe later on after we hear from some of these guys around the american league west because i am with you in the sense that i think that the astros have held their ground if not gotten better yeah uh, a lot of it depends on uh, the astros rotation but there was a lot of good conversations in the interviews coming up on how some of these teams are going to handle this season after the covid season as far as six-man rotations right. and what pitching is actually out there but i agree with you in the sense that Getting the times for the se- the regular season now, things are starting to move in the direction that we are actually going to play some baseball, so I can get excited just like you are. Yeah, okay. First of all, we're at Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Correct. North Shepherd. We actually uh, are. That's our buddies, official sponsors of the Astros. They treat us great. We love this place. Uh, ESPN, USA Today, everybody's always ranked. Plucker's Wing Bar is one of the best sports bars. Wings are good. Beer the is good. The wings are fantastic. Is the beer good here? Let me check. <laughs> But uh, we love it here, and, and, and we get a chance to talk about uh, what the Astros it's delicious. are delicious. And it's funny for me uh, what you said, that the Astros look like they're better than last year. How can you say that? And I'm being devil's advocate. <laughs> How can you say that when you lose George Springer? Because of the division, and it, I mean, I, you're done. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush that much longer because Jordan is coming back. I think okay. the great Jordan and the show that he's going to bring is going to compensate for losing a little bit of what George Springer brings. Now, George brought more than what he brought on the field. Sure. And I think that's what is going to be the bigger adjustment for those guys in that clubhouse is missing the energy and the joy mm. that a guy like George Springer brought to the ballpark. But if you see guys like Alex Bregman and Altuve turn things around and start to bring some of that leadership and Correa, you know, really explodes onto this scene a little bit and proves he's an MVP-type caliber, and then you add a guy like Jordan who has the potential to hit 50 home runs in a ballpark like Minute Maid, yeah. then I think we're going we're gonna to go, yes, we miss George greatly, but we're still scoring runs. How about you, you talk about Jordan Alvarez. How about you piggyback that with some guys who are – Great candidates to, to bounce back with better seasons. I think yeah. I think about Alex Bregman. Oh yeah, he's going to be better. I think about Correa. I mean, he was great in the playoffs, but during the season, he can certainly be a lot better. Uh, you think about Jose Altuve. Mm-hmm. There's some there's some guys. Yuli Gurriel. Prove, I'm just man. going around the infield right now, think and all it, four though. of those guys can play much better. And if Kyle Tucker gets a little bit better after having a decent year under his belt, and he continues to learn and continues yeah. to progress and get better, yeah, there are. That's why I feel like there's potential for these guys. And I don't know if you pay attention to the Pakota predictions. I do. They've already they've already pinned down the Astros to go out there and score 900 runs in this 162-game schedule. That is a lot of runs. Where does that rank it, uh, among the American League? That's in the top three, It's a division it? winner, yeah. That's a top three, yes, easily. But they are, they are, count, they are being uh, pro, you know, projected to win the West easily by, I think, about six games. But the 900, run, uh, 900 runs for them total 
puts him in the top three, four of uh, all the major leagues. Well, at the end of this show, Blummer, I want us to talk about our predictions and what we, we love about the Astros and what maybe worries us a little bit. And we'll talk a yeah. little bit more about those Pocota projections. But right now, we're going to go through uh, four different guys within the division in the American League West with the Oakland A's, the Seattle Mariners, the Los Angeles Angels, and also with the Texas Rangers. We're going to talk to four different guys who are broadcasters with those teams and talk about their teams and what they feel like those teams are going to be like this year. And we're going to start with Vince Catronio. Vince. We got is, some good dudes. Yeah, yeah, with the radio broadcaster for the Oakland A's. Of course, he uh, was a broadcaster with the Astros for many years with Milo Hamilton and those guys. But Vince has been with the Oakland A's now for uh, about 10 years, so he has a good handle. Uh, but when I look at this outside looking in on the, on the A's, I think they've taken the biggest steps back from anybody else. What do you think? I, I definitely think they have. I think the Angels may have surpassed them even into that second spot in the American League West, and we'll talk to Mark Gubiza about that and what he sees the Angels being able to do. But I agree with the, some of the losses, some big losses, I yeah. think, for the uh, Oakland A's and a lot of question marks around the rotation. We'll talk to Vince Catroni. Their bullpen. Yeah. Man, huge loss in that bullpen of Liam Hendricks leaving. They got big nobody time. to shut that thing down. And Soria. All right, let's hear from Vince Catronio, Oakland A's. Living in Arizona during the winter, like I do, Steve, it's 75 degrees right now. It's, it's definitely baseball weather. We know these are not ordinary times, so we're all hopeful that things will get started here uh, next week. It's, it's been a, a very quiet winter for the A's until the last 72 hours where they yeah. got aggressive with, uh, you know, with the Rangers and brought back Mike Fires, but they went into the winter, winners of the West, went into the winter with 10 free agents, Knew that they were probably going to lose Liam Hendricks, you know, to the deal that he got with the White Sox. We're trying to find a way to keep the local talent, Marcus Simeon, there for whatever reason it didn't work. But then all of a sudden, uh, Chris Davis is traded. Elvis Andrus comes back to the A's. He's their everyday shortstop. Uh, the A's traded Jonah Heim as well, switch in and catcher. And they re-signed Mike Fire. So their rotation is intact. Their bullpen at the back end right now is Jake Diekman, uh, Lou Trevino, J.B. Wendelkin, and some, at this point anyway, inexperienced arms. And David Forrest, who visited with the media on Saturday, said we're still shopping, hopefully, for experienced relievers. There are some out there. And we'll see if he can get something done here shortly before the 17th of the pitchers and catchers report. That's the thing, Vince. I mean, there's so many pitchers out there still with plenty of experience and Oakland, for, for obvious reasons, is, is, have always kind of been bottom feeders, but been very astute at who they've been able to pick up and turn, uh, turn it into some type of treasure. Do they feel like that there's still plenty out there that they can uh, round out a nice bullpen, you think? Well, part of the reason for making the deal with Chris Davis and Elvis Andrews and the Rangers kicking money back to the A's was going to give them some flexibility this year. Now, okay. A's fans would say, well, why didn't you put that toward Marcus Simeon? And they clearly made a decision that that was not a direction they could go in, even at 18 million, which is what he got to play for the Blue Jays. And, you know, recently, while they said maybe he's going to play second base, it looks like Marcus may play shortstop for them, which is his, his natural, but not his natural position, but his, the position that he's grown into. Elvis is going to be 32, and he's coming off a down year with injuries, but he is an everyday player. Otherwise, the A's would have piecemealed that position. You know, Tony Kemp. The ML machine, Chad Pinder. And I know the A's are known for platooning in certain areas. Shortstop is not one place you want to mess with. You got to have somebody that's going to be there every day. Elpis brings that to the table and he is committed. He said he's lost some weight. He feels like he's more agile than the disappointment of last year with the back problems. And he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. So we'll see if. Uh, that helps. And of course, if, if Matt Chapman is healthy to his right at third base coming off the hip surgery, it does allow him to maybe defend differently than, than other, than other places that he's been. Even though uh, Kiner Falefa was very good last year and won the gold glove for Texas, uh, Matt Chapman is still, uh, I think, in a special category, especially when it comes to range. The catching position. I, I think you guys have the best young catcher in all of baseball. Tell me, tell me a little bit what, what it's like back there uh, behind home plate for the pitching staff. Well, if you ask Bob Melvin, he would have had Sean Murphy on his club three years ago when he first okay. came to Bigley camp. I mean, there, he has that kind of presence. 
6'3", about 210. He's very solid. gives that big target behind the plate. And it's a position that he really has – I mean, he he's just – he lives it. And he's done a, you know, a good job still learning on how to sequence and how to set up hitters and learning the league. And then last year, especially in September, he began to make strides offensively. The problem with, with Sean in the past had been health. He had issues with his hand, had issues with his knees, requiring surgery, which slowed down his track to get to the big leagues and stay. He's healthy now, and he was healthy last year, and he was arguably the best player in September. He is a true leader back there. Uh, you know, the, like you said, you know, the best young catcher probably in the American League, and there's room to grow. He's, he's learning his swing now. He's learning the strike zone better offensively. He's got a cannon for an arm. Uh, he's fun to watch back there. He's going to get the lion's share of the catching, and then it's, is it going to be, you know, Carlos Perez, who's a veteran who's been around. You know, Jonah Heim was traded, who was a switch hitter. Austin Allen, who was with the club a little bit last year from San Diego, and some other veterans are going to be in camp. But it's, it's definitely Sean Murphy's position, if healthy, that he's going to get 110 to 120 starts. Looks like Sean Manaya now, Vince, has, has rounded into a top-of-the-rotation starter. Uh, Jesus Luzardo, sky's the limit uh, when you watch him. What are we looking at with A.J. Puck? I know he's penciled in at, at the, the back end of the rotation right now, but is he going to be healthy when the bell rings? I don't know. I mean, it's an excellent question. Spoke uh, with Scott Emerson, the pitching coach, last week at length, and a lot of the conversations revolved around A.J. Puck. He is so important to the uh, success of the A's. Right now, he doesn't have a spot in the rotation. He would be the sixth man. Now, this oh. might be a different year because of the – Lack of innings around baseball last year and teams right. wanting to be cautious, at least at the beginning. Maybe there's a spot for him to, uh, to start in that regard or piggyback a starter or be that penciled in twice a week, middle relief bridge to get innings and build things up. We have to see him face big league hitters. He hasn't faced a lot. As talented as he is, he, he has recommitted himself, especially mentally. Uh, he's going to be the interesting story of spring training and, and where he fits in because he's, if he's good and he has a chance to be very good, uh, it really it really bolsters what the A's have and if he can step into the rotation and stay there. Talking with Vince Catronio with the Oakland A's, we saw Seattle do it last year, Vince, with the six-man rotation. I would imagine because of the only 60 games a season ago that more teams might adopt something similar to that. Do you think Oakland might? Because – Man, I, I, I could see a third or maybe half the teams adopting a six-man rotation. It seems to make sense, especially at the beginning of the year. Yeah. You know, the A's have Chris Bassett and Sean Manaya, Jesus Lizardo, Frankie Motas, and Mike Fires. They're locked in at this point, barring some setbacks. So then you have A.J. Puck, or you have Dalton Jeffries, or a James Caprillion that could yeah. maybe slot into that sixth position. So they do have some depth in that regard. And that might be tested. The A's, the A's uh, April schedule is not fun. They play the Astros. They play the Dodgers. They play the Rays. They play a lot of teams. They play the Twins. A lot of teams that went to the postseason in 2020, shortened season or not. And, you know, last year, as, as Bob said, even in the short year, we've really got to focus to get off to a good start, which they did, to mm -hmm. win the West. Yeah. It's going to be the same message, but a bigger challenge, I think, in 2021. You think Oakland's still favored to win the division? We'll wait. Let's, let's wait and see what happens before the 17th. See if they sign another veteran reliever, and that would strengthen things. I think they need a left-handed bat, too. You know, there's no Robbie Grossman anymore. There's no Tommy LaStella. Yeah. The only left-handed bat in their lineup is Matt Olson. Jonah Hyam was a switch hitter. He's gone as well. So, uh, you know, they need to find somebody just to, to balance out the lineup or you're going to have, you know, a, a gathering of a lot of right-hand hitters night in and night out. The other thing about losing those two in particular, talking about Grossman and LaStella, for me, is the quality of the bats, the length of the bats, the knowledge of the strike zone, how that rubs off on the other players. They'll miss that too, won't they? Well, when Tommy came to the A's, I think the A's were like 28th in baseball in strikeouts, you know, near the bottom in most strikeouts. Yeah. In the time he was there, and again, just that time, that month, the A's strikeout percentage was like fifth best in all of baseball. Wow. And I mean, is there a Tommy LaStella effect? I think there was, I think there's something to be said about that. There was uh, sort of a Jed Lowry effect for a while, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
And, you know, you're right about, about Robbie, professional. Uh, you knew what you were going to get from him. He even improved himself in mentioning Jed Lowry. He was like his hitting coach leading into the season last year, right. spending time together in Houston. You know, Jed is so astute when it comes to strike zone knowledge and how to attack pitches. Uh, I, I see him as a future hitting coach somewhere when, when that time comes. But he's, you know, he's helped the A's. He helped the Astros when he was there as well. Uh, I, I think the A's have got to find uh, a veteran left-handed bat as well to, to, to help balance out their lineup. If they can get that accomplished, then I, I feel like it's, it's a division that they should be able to defend. All right, I got a goofy question. This is how we'll end it. <laughs> All right, say Oakland and, and the Astros finish 1-2 in the division. Who finishes in third place? Is it the Angels or the Mariners? That's a good question. I, I, I would say – I would still say the Angels. I just think they've got too much firepower. I think that the Mariners are coming. They're not there yet. I don't think they really have players on their club, much like what Houston did when they were ready to win. Yeah. They brought in the veterans to take them to the next step. I think they're a year away from making those kind of moves. So I, I say, I say the Angels. They got a lot of pressure on them with the new GM and trying to make some, trying to make some strides. Best player in baseball, just hanging out in this prime. That's not good for the sport, it really. Is. <laughs> Even with expanded playoffs, the Angels couldn't find their way in. That that tells you how desperate they should be. Well, you're good for the sport, Vince Catronio. Thanks for joining us, Sparky. Anytime. Good to see you. All right, that was Vince Catronio with the Oakland A's. The 2021 season is fast approaching, and the excitement is building. Make sure you have a seat in the game with a 28-game plan, whether you want to see every series or be here every weekend. We have the perfect plan for you. Visit Astros.com slash Ticket Plans or call 1-877-9ASTROS to learn more. When we come back, we'll hear about the Texas Rangers. Jared Sandler, one of their radio guys for the Rangers, We'll let us know about them. We'll be back with more Astroline right after this. Looking for a great place to bring your friends and family? Head on over to Carbach Brewing for some fresh craft beer and damn good eats. With our on-site restaurant and sprawling beer garden, there's always something for everyone to enjoy. So grab a Love Street Blonde or a Hopadillo IPA and kick back and relax. And keep up with all of our events by following us on social media at Carbach Brewing. Carbach Brewing Company is the proud sponsor of Astroline. Discover the Palm Beaches. Experience legendary hospitality in Florida's golf capital with special rates at the area's best resorts. Miles of uncrowded beaches stretch from Jupiter to Boca Raton. Small cities and beach towns are waiting for you to explore. More than 160 sun-soaked golf courses are inviting you to play. Start planning your next trip at thepalmbeaches.com. Welcome back to Astro Line, presented by Carbach Brewing. We are here at Pluckers, hanging out, and I am lucky enough to have Jared Sandler on with me, who does play-by-play and a lot of radio work for the Texas Rangers. Jared, good to see you. I know that uh, we've seen each other through maybe a glass window for several years, and this is maybe as similar as that gets. Good to see you, man. How you been? Blubber, I always stare at the forearms. I'm always intimidated. If there was ever a, a Rangers-Astros uh, booth brawl, I, I know who I would avoid. I'd go right to Steve Sparks. And I would avoid, maybe go right to Robert Ford first, but I, I would avoid <laughs> Jeff Blum. And uh, so I, I like that we have that glass window pane in between us. I appreciate you saying that. It's always good to, you know, massage the host a little bit before you get things going. And, uh, you know, the tables have actually turned between Houston and Texas here over the years. Because when I first started this job in 2013, the Rangers were absolutely pounding on the West. But it has been kind of interesting to see that the West has been uh, won by Texas here for the last five, six, seven years now. Talk a little bit about how hard it's been for for yourself not only calling games for this rangers organization but kind of explain where this organization is at right now really a lot of the difficulty still stems back to 2011 uh you know the astros have dealt with heartbreak uh you know losing game seven a couple years ago but having that world series in 2017 in the back pocket probably eases things doesn't make the game seven loss to the nationals totally go away but hey at least we you know got that world series well the rangers don't have that and uh they came close obviously in in 2010 2011 they you know one strike away twice uh, and they had some really good teams through 2016 
2016, uh, you know, to my surprise, they won the division. I thought that after the Astros came close to winning the division in 2015, that 2016 was going to be the World Series year. It ended up being that next year. But unfortunately, since 2016, the Rangers just haven't been that competitive. And I don't know that they've made the type of progress from a growth standpoint that they would have liked. So here we are getting ready for the 2021 season and we're coming off a, a odd 2020 year in the middle of which the Rangers made it very clear. They were, you know, committing to a rebuild. And, you know, I don't know if it's going to be the, the trials and tribulations of three straight 100 lost seasons that the Astros dealt with, but it, it you know, there are going to be some moments where it's not pretty. Uh, there are going to be a lot of young guys getting opportunities, figuring out, you know, sink or swim with, with different players. And uh, it's going to be, you know, a, a test of patience with, the, the guys coming up through the system waiting for that internal talent to really blossom and then uh, pairing that with some external acquisitions that, you know, haven't come yet, but I think are, are probably coming in the future. So uh, the Rangers are not a, a division contender. Uh, you know, anyone who uh, says so probably is wearing a Rangers uniform and hey, that's great. You know, you want that. But this uh, this Rangers team is, is now really uh, publicly for the first time uh, committed more to the future uh, than it is to that that present year, which in this case is the upcoming 2021 season. Yeah, I think I can speak for Astro fans. And, you know, as much as there's a rivalry within the state, I don't think anybody wishes one, three straight 100 loss seasons on any ball club uh, across America. And one of the bright spots last year for you guys was a uh, starting rotation in Lance Lynn, who did a great job, got some Cy Young votes, but he was eventually traded away to the Chicago White Sox and kind of leaves a big gap at the top of that rotation for the Texas Rangers. Just kind of give us a quick rundown of what's happening in that Texas Rangers rotation this season. Yeah, I, I think you're going to see a lot of creativity. It's not going to be a traditional, hey, we got five guys and we hope that, you know, each of them will give us six plus innings type of setup. Uh, you know, that that's going to probably be the case with a couple guys. Kyle Gibson and Jordan Lyles are veterans who, uh, you know, they they have that, you know, the skins on the wall, I guess. You know, Lyles, of course, a former Astro. Uh, Dane Dunning, who's acquired in the, the Lance Lynn trade, I think they've got some, some high expectations for him. And then they acquired... A uh, kid by the name of Koei Arihara out of Japan, someone who can just eat some innings. But uh, there's going to be a lot of young, fresh faces, a lot of guys who have options and can be taxied back and forth between the big league level and either triple or double A. Guys like Kyle Cody and Wes Benjamin and Colby Allard. And then you got Brock Burke coming off a rotator cuff surgery. And maybe Taylor Hearn uh, will get converted into a starter. I mean, the list just goes on and on. There's going to be you know, probably 15-plus guys, I guess, who make starts for the Rangers. And of those 15, you know, maybe 8 to 10 are guys who on a given day or night when they start, the expectation is not that they give them six innings. It's, hey, why don't you give us four innings? And we're going to piggyback you with someone who can hopefully give us two to three. So I think that they've got the ability to be creative uh, because of how, how many optionable players they have. And then for injury purposes or – uh, maybe just the lack of need to to push guys to the limit. Uh, they're going to try and control innings and and make sure that they're not overextending anyone. So, you know, go. It's 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 so weird, Blummer, because the yeah. Rangers organization has been uh, has been uh, the identity has been their their lineup, right? The the mm -hmm. offense, whether it's you know Juan and and Rafi and Pudge, or you know in the <laughs> this last decade with Peltre and Josh Hamilton and Nelly Cruz, and now, I mean it's just it's always been about the offense. And last year. You go into the season with with Lance Lynn, Mike Miner, and Corey Kluber, and you're thinking, hey, <laughs> 60 games, those three guys, and it just didn't ever materialize. And now we're back at a point where the Rangers are really having to rebuild that rotation, trying to figure out again, like I said earlier, sink or swim. You know, which of these guys can can hack it as a starter at the big league level? Which guys maybe are, are better fit uh, in a different role or, or perhaps not even the big league level at all? Yeah, and sometimes some of these tough situations where you start to lose guys, it creates opportunity. And there's another trade that the Rangers made in Elvis Andrews. So actually keeping it within the division, which was kind of interesting to me. But first, I want to talk a little bit about Elvis Andrews being the guy that's vacating shortstop for the first time in a decade, it feels like. How are they going to replace him? And then how does the infield shake out around him? Because you talked about Solak uh, off air before we came on, possibly being that second baseman and maybe moving Odor to third base. But Give us an idea with Andrews out of that uh, lineup, what that infield looks like for the Texas Rangers. 
Yeah, so you mentioned Nick Solak. I think for the first time, not only will will Elvis not be the shortstop, but for the first time since opening day 2014, Rugnet Odor likely won't be the second baseman. Uh, now, that's not set in stone. Uh, obviously, guys can get hurt, so what have you, but it really seems like that's Nick Solak's job to lose. So uh, Isaiah Kinder-Falefa will be this team's shortstop as long as he stays healthy. Nick Solak at second. Uh, Ronald Guzman will try and reclaim first base, but I think Nate Lowe, uh, former Tampa Bay Ray, another okay. offseason acquisition for the Rangers, uh, has the the leg up on that battle. And then third base is really just, uh, hey, let's keep this seat warm until Josh Young comes up. Josh Young out of Texas Tech, mm-hmm. uh, grew up in the San Antonio area, is one of the top prospects in the organization. Had there been a minor league season last year, perhaps he's more of a candidate on opening day to be at the big league yeah. level. Uh, there wasn't, so he likely isn't. Uh, he'll he'll likely start in Triple A, uh, spend a month, two months, you know, however long it takes until the organization feels like he's ready, and then he'll he'll go to third. Until then, could be Rugnet Odor, it could be Charlie Colberson, it could be someone who's not currently uh, in the organization as we have this conversation. Uh, so that's going to be a hey, let's just keep the seat warm until Josh Young's there, and the hope is that Josh Young's the third baseman for years to come. Now. The shortstop spot, Isaiah kind of will have that role this year. I think, you know, if, if you look at a lot of the tea leaves, the Rangers have $32 million tied up after this season. That's it. Mm-hmm. There are some unbelievable shortstops who are going to be free agents, or at least as of now, unless they get extended, Carlos Correa being one, there's one in state, yeah. Corey Seager, <laughs> and then Trevor story. Who's a local kid. Yep. And my guess is the Rangers sign one of those shortstops and that the long-term solution at shortstop is not currently on the roster right now. That's a pretty good idea. That's it's good for you to sell hope too, because you're right with that kind of payroll and the opportunity in these free agent markets coming up, hopefully the CBA gets figured out too. So you can figure out what kind of contracts are going to be conducive for these guys. Now with Elvis Andrews going to Oakland A's, it brings in Chris Davis, uh, you know, the DH uh, slash part-time mediocre outfielder for the uh, Texas, for the uh, Oakland A's. He kind of creates a little bit of an issue because he's a primary uh, DH type guy. How is he going to mix into this Rangers organization and lineup this year? So I, I got to ask you something. I, you know, sometimes you feel like the whole baseball world knows what's going on with, with your team. Do do you or do people in, in Astros land realize how much of a nightmare Chris Davis has been for the Rangers? Or is that just like a Rangers? This guy no, it's, our, it's our guys too. You know, he, I mean, he, this, it, it's almost like a running joke. Uh, he might go, he might be Oh, for 20 coming into a series and he might be Oh, for three in that series opener, but he's going to come up with two on down by two in the eighth inning. And he's got, I mean, it's just automatic. You may as well just give yep. up. Uh, the home run, like an automatic. I mean, it's just the guy has absolutely terrorized the Rangers. His numbers are ridiculous. Chris Davis, George Springer, uh, Mike Trout. Uh, obviously, Springer and Trout are amazing <laughs> oh, there's, players. There's some studs Davis, inside the division. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know what his role is. Um, I, I. The the trade was not made for him as much as it was made to a. Uh, take on a player whose salary will not be on the books after this year, go at mm-hmm. tying back to what we were just talking about. And B, the Rangers essentially paid $2 million net difference to acquire two young players, Jonah Heim, uh, who mm-hmm. made his debut last year as a catcher for the A's, and Dane Acker, uh, a pitcher out of Oklahoma, who's a fourth-round selection last year. Uh, I think you know those are the two guys the Rangers are really excited about. Chris Davis – if I had a guess, if you were to tell me, hey, he's going to be with the organization all year, he probably shares DH opportunities or DH at bats with Willie Calhoun, Chris Davis against mm-hmm. lefties, Willie Calhoun against righties. Of course, all it takes is one injury, and now Chris Davis is your starting left fielder. But it, they, I think the plan is David Dahl in left, Leody Tavares in center, uh, mm-hmm. and Joey Gallo in right. And I think they'd like to get Willie Calhoun as many at bats as possible. The reality is, as you kind of indicated, it's not like Chris Davis gives you much defensively uh, and offensively. I don't know. Maybe being a Rangers uniform gives him a, a second win, but I mean, he just hasn't been the same guy over the last couple of seasons that, uh, you know, gave everyone, not just the Rangers mm-hmm. or the Astros, but gave everyone nightmares when he'd come up. So I, I don't think he's going to have a huge role from a playing time standpoint, if people stay healthy. 
Yeah, I think that the, the underlying reason he did get traded is because his numbers against the Astros have been so good. So I can guarantee you there might be about 19 times he does get the start at DH <laughs> against the Houston Astros. Well, we got we got to bring that silver boot back, right? I mean, that's exactly that's what the Rangers are playing for this year. Yeah, I mean, hey, there's a little bit of pride, and hey, those small steps, you know, maybe go a long way in the long run. But uh, one thing, we, you know, as broadcasters, we haven't been able to do is to get into that new ballpark that is up there in Arlington. And it was kind of interesting to see how, how some of the players reacted to it. And, you know, the guy that jumps out to everybody, obviously, is Joey Gallo because of the prodigious power. Didn't really have the season he wanted to have in 2020. Uh, I mean, that goes for a lot of guys in the big leagues, not Joey, Joey Gallo. I'm not picking on him, but... I'm kind of curious, what was the player reaction to playing, you know, 30 games within the new confines there? Did they like it? Did they love it? What did they like? What didn't they like? Yeah, I, I don't think I would be uh, being totally honest if I told you the hitters were in love with Globe Life Field the way perhaps they loved Globe Life Park. You know, Globe Life Park, you could hit the ball at the end of the bat. I can attest to that. That was a nice place yeah, to hit. You know, it's, <laughs> it's an upper deck shot there. Uh, yep. th this is more cavernous. Now, uh, I, I without – this is not a shot at anyone. The Rangers lineup just wasn't good last year. Mm -hmm. They struggled. Uh, and I, I think they would have struggled in a lot of places. And then when you saw, you know, because of the, the playoff setup, the Braves, the Padres, the Dodgers all coming through, and then eventually the Rays coming through Globe Life Field, those teams didn't have problems uh, getting the ball good out point. of the park. Uh, so I do think a part of it was for the first time in a while, the Rangers just didn't have those types of hitters in their lineup or the ones they did have, like Joey Gallo, just didn't have the types of years that, that you know, we were accustomed to. Now, how much of that is mental, you know, playing in that park and, and having the reminder of how much more difficult it is, it's tough to quantify. I mean, the players and even uh, hitting coach Louis Ortiz acknowledge that perhaps there's something there. Uh, the, the park is, is definitely going to play at, at best from a hitter's standpoint fair. I don't think that this is going to be, unless they make changes to the dimensions, I don't think this will be nearly as much of a hitter's haven as it was at the old place across the street. But I don't know that it's definitely going to be uh, like Comerica or Petco when those <laughs> parks first open. And it's like, my yeah. gosh, like, you know, you, you need a trampoline just to get the ball out of the park. So uh, I, I will say this, and, and you'll appreciate this, uh, it's awfully nice having that roof with, uh, with, with those. Well, I was wondering what took Texas, Christmas. you know, so long to figure out they need a roof on a stadium in this, in this humidity and heat that they have throughout the course of the summer, but congrats on getting that roof, man. It's, let me tell you, it is, it is, you still sweat walking from the car to get oh, yeah. inside the stadium, uh, <laughs> but there's no more sweating while you're just sitting in your booth. It's uh it's, it's really comfortable. We're excited to have you guys to uh, to check it out. Hopefully, I mean, I, I don't know if it's this year or next year, whenever, but hopefully as soon as possible, you guys will get to check it out. Yeah, I can't wait to get up there. Thank you for coming on. That is Jared Sandler, who works on Rangers Radio, does a great job for them, and it was great talking with you. Thank, for, thank you for all the information, and I agree. I can't wait to see everybody in, in person and give a nice, firm handshake and uh, you know get back those good vibes, man. Be good. You as well, Blummer. Thanks for having me. All right, Blumer, very interesting. Texas Rangers yeah. sound a lot like the Astros did about six or seven years ago, don't they? I know, and, and I talked to Jared about that. I go, hey, man, hang in there. Because, I mean, right. you know what? Nobody wishes a fan base to go through that, but the Astros went through it, and obviously we saw why they went through it, because they did build something incredible in that window. It really expanded with the guys that they were able to draft and, and develop. I'm not sure how often that happens in the big leagues, yeah. but that seems to be that you know people are stealing that blueprint and the Rangers are in that process right now. You're listening to Astroline. We're at Plucker's Wing Bar. This is brought to you by Carbock Brewing. And the reason why I think this smells a little bit in Arlington is because they built the new stadium. And yeah. I think they thought that they were going to be able to time everything out perfectly where they were going to be competitors by the time they opened that stadium. I, I completely agree because that's something that you do when you do build a new ballpark. You're trying to encourage fans to come in. Yes, it's one thing to get used to the new digs, find out where the new restaurant is, or enjoy the roof that these people finally put on a stadium yep. in what can be a hellish environment in Dallas. Right. And they just didn't have the fans able to come in, number one, because of COVID. But they didn't, it, like you said, it didn't coincide with the opportunity to sign some big free agents or have those young draft picks to bring in and say, hey, this is who you're cheering for. Yeah. All right, it's a great point. Not sure what to expect uh, from this season. Well, how about flexibility? The February Flex Plan is a voucher-based plan that allows you to select up to four tickets 
to any available game up until first pitch. The plan comes with 20 or 40 vouchers and the opportunity to choose. It doesn't get any better than that. Visit Astros.com slash ticket plans to learn more. Next, we're going to hear from Gary Hill with the Seattle Mariners. That's a great question. I guess we'll all find out. But I First of all, welcome in. But second of all, I just want to know, is this a year that the Mariners contend in the American League West? Or are they still a year away? That's a great question. I guess we'll all find out. But I kind of still think it's a year away. Okay. I think it's coming. Uh, they are very talented. The farm system is awfully impressive. I mean, depending on where you look at the ranks, you know, three, four, that kind of, and not only depth, but really some top end guys, you know, Jared Kelnick, a guy we've been talking a lot about who we expect to see this year at some point, Julio Rodriguez, well thought of, they have some really good arms coming as well. So I think it's coming. I'm not sure if it's this is going to be the year. because You can map out a scenario where the Mariners compete for a division title, but it's one of those things where this has to happen and this has to happen. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. has to happen. and you know how that game's played. When you have enough of those, this has to happen, it's really hard to pull off because I still think the A's are really good. I still think the Astros are really good. And I still think it's the A's-Astros competition. And I think that is a razor-thin margin right now going into this thing. I think the division's going to be really interesting this year. You know, it's not very, uh, it's not dissimilar to what the Astros are going through five or six years ago, what we're seeing with the Mariners. And we're seeing these top end uh, position player prospects filtering their way and getting real close, like you mentioned, with Kelnick and Rodriguez. But they've done some, some work in the pitching department, too. Uh, early first round picks uh, out of the college ranks as pitchers, too, right? Absolutely. And there's a number of those guys coming. Uh, I think we're going to see Logan Gilbert this year. That's a okay. name to watch. Uh, I think we'll see him this year. And reports are that he's phenomenal. Of course, it's weird. You know, a lot of these guys, we didn't see pitch at all last year. I mean, yeah. everything's going through the same thing. But it, it, it put the Mariners in a weird spot when they had so many guys, you know, they're kind of pushing towards the big leagues. It really makes the timetable uh, kind of wonky. You know, guys like George Kirby, who yeah. – you know, looking at things, you expected to have another year under his belt. And maybe this year would have been the year he'd be pushing towards the major leagues. But without that year of development, you know, maybe it pushes another year forward. So, you know, they have a, a number of guys, especially in the pitching ranks, guys like that. Emerson Hancock, well thought of coming from George, yeah. But they're really excited about some of the arms coming. And at the major league level, it's going to be an interesting year because the Mariners will go with a six-man rotation again this year. Marco Gonzalez, for us, has been really one of the best pitchers in the American League. He does it in a really quiet way. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if he's recognized as one of the better pitchers in the American League. But when you look at the numbers the last couple of years, he's right there. And then a lot of young guys filling the rest of that six-man rotation. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out for the Mariners this year. But for all of baseball, it's something that you can talk more about. But, well, you know, having, you know, guys throw 60, 70 innings last year and then expecting, like, a jump to 180, 200, I mean, that's a lot to ask. And I am really curious to see how it plays out for all teams this year and next year. I don't think anybody, Gary, wants their pitchers to, to reach those levels coming off of what we did last year. Yeah. And because of that, I mean, I, I'm interested to see what you think. I think a third of the teams are going to adopt that six-man rotation this year just to keep those innings down. Yeah, Mariners are doing it for that reason. And also, they have so many young guys that it kind of makes sense in their development. So they're a perfect team to adopt this sort of thing. But you know, I think teams are going to have to be creative in how they go about this, whether it's six-man rotation, whether it's skipping starts every now and again. I mean, how many 200-inning pitchers are we going to see this year? Maybe a handful? Maybe? I don't think any. I don't, I, I don't think any, Gary. It seems Coming off of what we did last yeah. year. I mean, it seems like a big risk to ask a guy yeah. to go from 67 innings to 200. So right. Maybe if you include the, the playoffs, but I think coming into this year, everybody's got to keep in mind, man, first and foremost is the health of a lot of these guys because, you know, Tom Verducci's written those articles year after year talking about who's, who's got the red flag attached to their name because of the spike in innings. And I think that's what they'll see if they, if they push it too far. 
And I feel like when I look at this division, a lot of it is going to hinge on starting pitching. Like when I look at the Astros, yeah. I think those three young pitchers are really the key to the Astros. Because I feel like the offense is going to be there. That's a good offensive core, a good veteran core that's been there. Astros are going to hit. They're going to score. I think the bullpen is going to be fine. I think it's going to hinge on those three young starters, and that's going to tell the story for the Astros this year. All right, let's hit on the Mariners' offense, if you will. Uh, we saw it right out of the right off the bat. First game of the season last year, Kyle Lewis announced his presence with a home run off of Justin Verlander, but he didn't let up, man. Kyle Lewis looks legit, and he's going to be a superstar in this league, don't you think? Absolutely. Mariners are thrilled with what Kyle Lewis did last year, and yeah. everything he went through to get there, he had significant injuries coming up through the minors, and at one point it looked like, you know, are we going to see him in the majors? I mean, it was, it was to that point. The injuries were so serious. And not only did we see him, he was phenomenal offensively and in the field. He played a really good center field last year, especially considering his knee injuries. But it, he slowed down a little in September. So, you know, it's going to be what we see all the time with young players. It's about adjusting. Yeah, adjusting, adjusting back. But it's all there. He's got a chance to be an all-star for sure. He's really good and somebody the Mariners are building around. That's for sure. Gary, two other players I want to talk about. One, you get Tom Murphy back two years ago. May have been the best offensive player on the team. He's back in the catching court with Torrens. Uh, what does that mean to the team? They're really excited about the two catchers, and it gave them the freedom to make a deal, uh, make deal away Austin Nola, who they really, really liked. Sure. They just felt like the Padres blew him away with the offer, so they pulled the trigger. But uh, Tom Murphy was a big loss last year. They didn't have him at all. He didn't play a game. He got hurt right before the, the regular season started. They love Terenz, and you know his batted ball was really impressive. He was yeah. a guy that the Padres chose in Rule 5 a number of years ago. So his development was held back because he wasn't ready for the big leagues. He spent a whole year in the majors just so the Padres could keep him. And then he went back to the minors the year after. They really like him as a hitter. They love Tom Murphy, his makeup, the whole thing. They love that tandem. It's not a natural platoon in terms of righty-lefty. So I'm not sure how it's going to shake out in terms of playing time, but they're both going to see plenty. And it's kind of like, you know, the Mariners are in a situation where you add Murphy, you add Mitch Hanniger. They added two guys who didn't play at all last That's year. That's a good point. And they both think they'll be big additions this year, assuming health. That's what the Astros are hoping with Jordan Alvarez, too. Same thing. Okay, last thing. Evan White, uh, rookie first baseman last year, came up with a lot of fanfare. Defensively, did not disappoint one iota. But uh, at, the, at the plate, he did. So uh, what, what's he have to do? A lot of questions, uh, with him, not defensively, man, he right. was spectacular. We always heard about him coming up, you know, Keith Hernandez, you know, the names thrown out was like, I mean, come on. And then we yeah. saw, yeah, they were all right. He, crazy. he was that good. Yeah. Gold Glover. Uh, you know, he did some really good things offensively when he put the bat on the ball. I mean, he thundered the ball around uh, the underlying numbers were really good. You know, the exit velocity, you know, the hard contact, they were all there. The question is making the contact, which he's going to have to do more often. And he struck out 40% of the time. But he's always hit everywhere he's gone. He's been a good hitter. So the expectation is he's going to cut down on the strikeouts and end up being a really good hitter. And I'm anxious to see him. You know, first base is his. They, they already signed him to a contract. He's going to play, and he's going to get a chance to work it out. So we always saw this maybe with a George Springer or some of these guys when they were coming up. They struck out a lot more. And they were able to adjust some things. I think a lot of times the natural tendency for these young players is they get a little too tentative at the plate. They're looking for the perfect pitch. They get two strikes on them, and then they can't adjust. What are you seeing with Evan White on why he strikes out so much? Does he get in unfavorable counts a lot? Yeah, it's that kind of – it's the – it's getting in between, right? Yeah. It's uh, – you go back and forth between – uh, maybe getting over aggressive and then taking a few pitches where you normally wouldn't take, you know, it's that kind of thing. It's, yeah. you know, you're at this level, keep in mind, he didn't play triple a the year before he was in double a yeah. pretty big jump to this level. And you know, he just, he just got in between sometimes. So uh, I think just, and it wasn't a full year last year, but getting that taste of the majors, I think it's going to make a really big difference for him coming to this year. And he's a, he's a great guy. He's really smart. He knows what he's doing. And, you know, I think he's going to end up being a really good player. I think he's going to be fine at the plate. 
Well, Gary Hill, uh, that's a little taste of the Seattle Mariners. We thank you for that. Uh, best of health. Uh, hopefully we'll see each other down the road here, but uh, good luck in spring training, and uh, we'll see you real soon. Thanks again. You too. The Seattle Mariners are going to be an interesting story, and here at Pluckers we are enjoying Line. and, hey, come see Minute Maid Park and get a behind-the-scenes look at the ins and outs of the stadium with a ballpark tour. From the dugout and press box to the warning track and manual scoreboard, we guarantee you've never seen Minute Maid Park like this. Book your tour today at astros.com slash tours, and we will be right back with our last segment on Astroline. Mark Gubiza with the Los Angeles Angels will, be, will break down the halos with me. Looking for a great place to bring your friends and family? Head on over to Carbach Brewing for some fresh craft beer and damn good eats. With our on-site restaurant and sprawling beer garden, there's always something for everyone to enjoy. So grab a Love Street Blonde or a Hopadillo IPA and kick back and relax. And keep up with all of our events by following us on social media at Carbach Brewing. Carbach Brewing Company is the proud sponsor of Asherline. Discover the Palm Beaches. Experience legendary hospitality in Florida's golf capital with special rates at the area's best resorts. Miles of uncrowded beaches stretch from Jupiter to Boca Raton. Small cities and beach towns are waiting for you to explore. More than 160 sun-soaked golf courses are inviting you to play. Start planning your next trip at thepalmbeaches.com. Welcome back to Astro Line, brought to you by Carbach Brewing. I am Jeff Blum, and I am very lucky to be joined by Mark Gubiza, who is a two-time All-Star World Series champion and color analyst for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Gooby, it is great to see you, man. Thanks for coming on. Oh, Blummer, it's always a special time to be able to talk to you, my friend. <laughs> it's too bad we're doing it by Zoom, because one of the best things about the season is every time we go through uh, Anaheim and see you, uh, the Pocota projections have actually come out and they have said that the angels are going to be that second place team, or at least compete for that, uh, American league Western division title. How do you feel about those projections as of right now? Yeah. What is it? 87 wins are saying it's funny wow. thing about the Pocota radio. I played with Bill Pocota back in the day in Kansas city. So, <laughs> and he always, gets a kick out of that. he always gets a kick out of that too, because they think what kind of a player I remember him actually pitching one game in which Dave Winfield hit for the cycle as an angel against the Royals. So I think he gave up a triple that day. So you just never know projection wise. It's all coming down. You, you saw that last year with the Astros with health. If you're healthy, you know, the, the angels team, they, they made some changes. They made it to change at the GM front with Perry Benassi is now the GM Billy Upler's out. So it's another year where Joe Madden's going to be around the club. I, I just feel everything is going to be better. It's all coming down. They're starting pitching. If they could stay healthy, and be a little more consistent, get some, you know, get deeper in the games and, and not overexpose a bullpen where you're throwing and have to get what nine, 12 outs every single night. When you do that, it's just not a successful formula. Yeah. You hinted at the offense. We'll talk about that in a little bit because they are bonafide. They can go out there and put up big numbers. It's that rotation and healthy is being healthy is always a key factor. Uh, they've added Alex Cobb. Bundy has had a good year. They signed uh, re-signed Shohei Otani to a two-year deal. Tell us a little bit about that starting rotation uh, in your eyes. And Jose Quintana, they got over from the Chicago oh, yeah. Cubs. I've always been a big fan watching him over the years with the White Sox. Uh, he's pretty much a guy you pencil in 11 to 13 wins when he's healthy uh, I look at his overall velocity average is pretty good. It hasn't dropped a whole lot. So that's the race. Now it looks like with Shohei Otani, you mentioned him signing a two-year deal. It's still leaning towards a six-man rotation, which I think you might see that a lot in baseball because of the lack of innings pitched by starters the year before. And this held spring training is going to be condensed and everything again, this season going into the 2021 season. But Dylan Bunny, you mentioned him. He had a fantastic year. I mean, he was in the running for the Cy Young for a, a long period of time. Andrew Heaney, uh, you've seen yeah. him before. He's a strikeout machine, but he, there's always an inning in which he will give up a home run or a three-run home run, and, and all of a sudden the numbers don't look as good. But I still think he has a chance to make a step forward. Griffin Canning has that good stuff, fully healthy this year as compared to last year where he missed most of the spring training and got really healthy when we went to spring training part two and then had some good starts for him. So there's some depth in there. Shelly Otani is an ace. They don't, they didn't get that number one guy. There was talk about Trevor Bauer coming home. He ends up coming home and going to the Dodgers instead of the angels. But Shelly Otani, from what I've heard, he looks in fantastic shape. He's really upset with himself for what he did last year, both 
on the mound and in the batter's box, he did not look like anywhere near the player we saw the first two years of his major league career. So sometimes when you have a, a major step back, that's when a really good player becomes even better. So I expect some really good things with Shohei Otani. But there's, you know, I mean, I, we could say it, and we talked about this with Angel fans, Bummer, for a number of years. What can we expect? It's like it's still a coin flip unless they're out there and they're healthy and they're, and they're competing and getting ahead. Like every pitcher is getting ahead. Oh, one is compared to one. Oh, is important. But when you don't have necessarily that overpowering four seam fastball, where we see a lot of the Astro pitchers up in his zone, well, then you're going to run into some trouble. So getting ahead of the count is going to be important and staying healthy even more so. Yeah, I couldn't agree more about the way getting ahead in those counts, especially with the American League West and the way some of these teams can hit. You know, speaking of Shohei Otani, he's still such a unique athlete in this game. We know that he's a middle-of-the-order type guy with the power and the ability to drive in runs, the speed he has. But, you know, you being an ex-big league pitcher, pitcher what, how do you see Shohei Otani mixing in, and what's the ideal situation to maximize what he can do on the mound? I, I think we're going to see, and I talked to Perry Manassian, the GM, right from the time he was first hired by the Angels. I said, we're going to see Shohei pitch on, on Sundays. He says, you know what? We're at the point now, we're not going to worry necessarily about, hey, every Sunday you're going to see, we go talk about showtime on Sunday. <laughs> Whatever his day comes about, it could be that Saturday, it could be that Sunday, but it's going to go that five or six days later, and they're going to try to met, maximize him on the mound as much as possible. Uh, the elbow flared up again a little bit last year in the beginning. He looked like he was going to be fine, you know, but last year was such a weird year. I think when you think about how you're facing guys, your teammates in these scrimmage games before you're facing, how would you like to do that as a hitter? You know, it's got to be hard to do because you want to have an edge. You're not going to have an edge against your teammate in the batter's box. It's like, I'm not going to have an edge facing you as a teammate. You know, so I'm, I'm just, I don't want to get, get you hurt. I want you to score some runs for me. So <laughs> exactly. I'm going to throw that little fastball right down the middle of the plate. So, I mean, he was touching, you know, 96, 97. A splitter, I think when you come back from Tommy John surgery, that's the one thing you always worry about is a splitter, a pitcher that throws that pitch, because that's the pitch you always feel, and you hear that it's one that's going to put a lot of pressure on your elbow. Uh, the health is there. I would imagine, as most pitchers, they'll keep an eye on about that 90 to 100 pitch limit early on, but I don't think you're going to see him on that one every pitch every Sunday. I think you're going to see him, fold into whatever day of the week where the normal rotation would be. And I think it's going to allow him to be a better hitter in the batter's box. You saw him last year. His feet were moving so much. He didn't have yeah. coverage on the inner half and the outer half. He had no chance. And it just, it just seemed like it went away from his ability to hit the ball in the air and drive the ball to left center field. He has unbelievable power that yeah. way. I mean, he'll pull the ball on occasion, but most of his power and most of his home runs, he has like 47 in his career. They got to be about 90% of them center field to left center field to the left field line. I expect him to come back again. What comes back to he's, he, you know, you got humbled a little bit and now he's going to show everybody what he's capable of doing because he's such a unique player that you see a guy on the mound doing that and a guy in the batter's box and a guy that can run like he does. They don't mm -hmm. even realize and You've seen it. You don't realize how fast he is because it's such a smooth run. Like a, Devon White or, or Willie Wilson back in my day, those guys just kind of cruised and they got there like, how did they get there so fast? Because he's such a smooth runner. Devon White's actually a really good call. Kind of that tall, lanky, long stride. Uh, I like yeah. that idea. And I think that condensed season, like you talked about, messed with a lot of guys around the league. But he's going to be a guy who's going to be in that lineup and pro provide the power when he gets that balance back. We, Trout's going to do what Trout does. Anthony Rendon's going to do what Rendon mm -hmm. does. Fletch is always going to be that pest at the top of the lineup. Um, but I'm kind of curious about a guy like Justin Upton. If they get a, if you guys get a guy like Justin Upton going, it could be really a monstrous offense to try and compete against. Yeah, I mean, he's usually you would pencil him for 25, 30 home runs, right around that for doubles. Uh, you know, he's he got over the last year or so, so in the pull happy mode where he was trying to pull pitches away. When his good power, if you've seen center field, right center field, that ball just jumps off his bat when he stays back on the baseball well. Health has been an issue for him, but also his, his timing. He seems to be caught in it last year, especially. And again, it's one of those weird years. He was caught guessing a lot. And as you know, as you got older as a, as a hitter, that's the one thing you did. You were guessing along with a pitcher. And if you're not guessing right, but then that's when it comes down to trust in your hands. And I think he still has the capability of being a game changer for this club, but he's got to stay healthy. He's got to stay on that field. And he's got to provide some power after, you know, Otani in the lineup 
and Albert Pulse will be in there as well at times. So you need that mm -hmm. power. You already know you can pencil that in with Rendon and Trout. You mentioned Fletch at the top, and Otani has that ability, but it's really up to Justin Upton to provide balance at that lower part of the line lineup. Yeah, so you got pitching, you've got offense, and you mentioned before we uh, started to record this, uh, the, the defense in the outfield is going to be that much more better also with the addition of Dexter Valor and maybe Ligaris, right? Yeah, that, you know, when you look at that, sometimes you always think of defense. You always think of infield defense. Well, just the conversations I've had with a lot of people. Well, a ground ball that gets through an infielder and mistakes made, that guy's on first base, all right? So as a pitcher, your mindset, one more ground ball, I got a double play. But if you make a mistake in the outfield, it turns from a single to a double to potentially a triple, and you're giving up some extra outs. And this the coverage in the outfield last year was really a tough thing for the Angels. So Harry Manassian said that's the first thing. And it was kind of interesting to hear that because you always think of, all right, rotation has to be the first thing. But mm -hmm. run prevention, by doing that, having a solid outfield defense, you're preventing a potential extra base hit a, a lot of times during the course of the game. Dexter Fowler is, is a fantastic fielder. He'll make Trouty better in center. Joe Adele had a yeah. tough time. He's a young kid who really never had much seasoning in the minor leagues. Is thrown into the big leagues. That struggle for him. Justin Upton wasn't healthy, wasn't having a whole lot of coverage and left. So Trout was left out in center. And his numbers defensively dropped a little bit. So then you have Juan Lagares, who's regarded as one of the best defenders. Now you're going to have guys in the outfield that actually catch the ball. Unless it's over the fence, there's a chance it's going to be prevented from being an extra base hit for the club. Phenomenal stuff. Mark Gubiza, the color analyst for the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And that one always gets me. I always want to just call them the California Angels because that's what I grew up with. But, Gooby, great having you on, man. And hopefully someday soon we're able to see each other face-to-face -face and give you that handshake. Glover, I can't wait, man. You're the best, man. That smile on your <laughs> face always tells me we're getting closer to the baseball season, my friend. All right, Blummer, listening to Mark Gubazaw with the Angels. They're pretty excited about this next season, but it always comes down to one thing with the Angels, oh, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is the starting rotation. It's Every starting year. pitching because they are going to score runs. The thing that frustrates me the most about the Angels, just on the outside watching and then also being a fan of the game of baseball, they have the greatest baseball player of this generation on their team, yep. and we can only watch him as often as, as he's on the field in the regular season. The one thing that is keeping the Angels from being a contender and going into the playoffs is that starting rotation. They just cannot find a way to get to their bullpen. They have made some good acquisitions. Uh, yes. I, I like uh, Iglesias as the closer. They, they got him from the Reds. They got yep. uh, the shortstop Iglesias. I know to fill Angleton Simmons' shoes, it, it, that's going to be tough at any time. But offensively, I don't think anybody worries about the Angels' offense. It's always going to be the health uh, of Otani in particular and, yeah. and the health of the rest of the rotation. Uh, but I just don't think they've done enough in the rotation to, no. to be – uh, contenders to win the crown but why has it been like that they did hire a new gm so i thought that that would be the uh, you know point of emphasis is going out there and trying to create I don't think a rotation it's from a lack of trying they've gone after bauer they went but after you think Garrett about Cole. the guys that they're getting they're not getting these marquee guys like you're talking about uh -huh. like the bowers but i would i wouldn't blame Artie moreno for being a little gun shy on some of these contracts that he's picked up he's still paying for albert pujols who is going to be your part-time dh first baseman which yeah. is a boatload of money but they don't have the clearance to go out there and sign a guy like trevor Bauer. I think a lot of times Tyler, certain, te certain teams <laughs> get used in negotiations. And I think oh, the Angels yeah. have gotten used yes. a few times That's a good in point. negotiations where Artie Moreno, their owner, just says, I'm not playing that game anymore. Yeah, that's a really good point. That that kind of goes to the gun-shy comment yep. is that he has been used and manipulated maybe a little bit because those teams will get a number from Artie Moreno and they'll just leverage that to go to the next team and use that against him. Yep. So he hasn't been able to jump up there and get some of those guys. All right, you're listening to Astral Line, Plucker's Wing Bar on North Shepherd. It's brought to you by Carbock Brewing. We have one last segment coming right up. Looking for a great place to bring your friends and family? Head on over to Carbock Brewing for some fresh craft beer and damn good eats. With our on-site restaurant and sprawling beer garden, there's always something for everyone to enjoy. So grab a Love Street Blonde or a Hopadillo IPA and kick back and relax. And keep up with all of our events by following us on social media at Carbach Brewing. Carbach Brewing Company is the proud sponsor of Asherline. Discover the Palm Beaches. Experience legendary hospitality in Florida's golf capital with special rates at the area's best resorts. Miles of uncrowded beaches stretch from Jupiter to Boca Raton. Small cities and beach towns are waiting for you to explore. 
More than 160 sun-soaked golf courses are inviting you to play. Start planning your next trip at thepalmbeaches.com. And welcome back to Ashline. I'm Steve Sparks here with Jeff Blum. We're at Plucker's Wing Bar on North Shepherd. And, of course, Ashline is brought to you by Carbot Brewing. And, and Blummer, it's, it, it's kind of cool to, to get everybody's perspective about their teams. And I think everybody falls a little bit in love with their own team <laughs> a little more than some other people do, right? Yeah, and I think you have to. If you're, if you're broadcasting for a team, I think it, it's a good idea to maybe have a little bit of that twinge of I like our team a little bit better than everybody else because <laughs> the can't fans help enjoy it. that. Yeah, and you're around these guys. And what I've found in what we're going – I'm going into my ninth year of doing this job, and I become attached to these guys a little bit. Sure. You know, if these guys have been around, we talked about, you know, Alex Bregman getting drafted. We talked about the stories of Altuve, and then we get to meet these guys, and all of a sudden you're endeared to them, and you want them to succeed because if that team's good, we're going to be good. And then we start to latch on a little bit. But it is kind of fun to talk to other teams because we've gotten so used to winning. Yeah. Our team is better. Uh, we know that. Yeah. And that's why it's fun to have these interviews because then the other guy is always trying to say, oh, well, we got this. We got this. Maybe next year. Maybe this. Maybe right. that. But uh, but you want that hope. You want – dude, if you don't have that hope, yeah, it's like Andy Dufresne said, man. If you don't have hope, you've got nothing. Right. You need to have something to look forward to. But I actually do think, you know, the Mariners do have something to look forward to. I like their talent. I think mm. Gary did a good job of explaining that a little bit, yeah. that they are in the process of having some good guys come through here. They've got a plan, and they finally – you know, the worst place to be, we talk about purgatory, <laughs> yeah. is to be somewhere close to 500 because you're not going to make the playoffs, but you're going to have – uh, you're going to get teased year after year, and you're not oh, really yeah. going to sell out to, to do things right. And they finally committed to that plan where they're doing things right right now. They're yeah. starting to see the, the fruits of, of some of the trades and uh, some high-round draft picks like the Astros were six or seven years ago. I completely agree. And, you know, we talked earlier about the blueprint that the Astros have kind of laid out with the ability to draft guys. And once you start to see some of that talent – you know, come to fruition, like the Mariners were saying that, you know, they, their prospect status is, you know, they, they're top three, four as far as minor league systems. Yeah. And that's kind of where we were at seven years ago. Right. And then it gets to the big leagues, and then you've got to make the decision on what free agents do you bring in to really nurture these guys and maybe put them into that playoff conversation. Uh, Kyle Lewis for the Seattle Mariners, mm -hmm. he's a guy I'm really looking forward to watching. The, the only thing I'm disappointed in with the Seattle Mariners is that J.P. Crawford got the gold glove. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. There's that not a sense. metric on the planet that tells me that Carlos Correa is not the gold glove winner last year. Right. Well, you're a homer. That's right. I played right into it, man. I All thought right. I'd get a little more props for that. <laughs> Bacota man, projection. Man, this is like a setup. I was Magic Johnson to Michael <laughs> Cooper right there. What do we got? That was a good dish. I, I can't get off the ground. <laughs> that is true. I've seen you in action. <laughs> All right, Pakoda projections. We talk about baseball prospectus puts out the yeah. projections of how many wins uh, teams will, will get. And those came out last week. And they project that the Astros are going to win 93 games and win yep. the division by six games. What do you think about that? I think it's very interesting, and I think it goes to, you know, it, they do these projections within their division because you're playing each team 19 times. Yeah. And I think that's where they kind of came up with that number. But I, the number that jumped to me, like I said earlier, was at 900 runs. And I think that kind of compensates for what might be issues in the rotation as far as mm. do you go five-man, six-man, who's healthy, who's not. If somebody goes down, how do you back them up? Because we know the depth in the Astros organization isn't as deep as we've seen in the past. But I think that the ability to go out there and score runs is, is what's going to make them better. And don't forget, you've got your entire defense on the infield coming back, and you've got Brantley, who's an above-average left fielder. You've got Kyle Tucker, who showed flashes of brilliance out there in, in right field. And if it's Miles Straw in center, these guys can go get it. So the defense yep. is there to back up some of that pitching. And they're going to they're gonna bang. Oh, they're going to they're they, bang they, big time. That's going to be a great offense for the Astros. You talk about, you know, we, we barely touched on a six-man rotation. And I happen yeah. to think – that a lot of teams are probably going to have to I, adopt. I want you to expand on this because you know better than rotation. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's obvious. It's You're paying 100 more games than you did last year uh, if number. you don't include the, the playoffs. So you're going to have red flags all over the place unless you limit a lot of the players' uh, innings. And a six-man rotation just makes a lot of sense to me. If you have that depth, 
I think that's the way to go. I think it's a good idea, at least for the first maybe two or three months of the season until yeah. guys actually get their legs under them. Yep. And you have a better idea of how these guys are conditioned. I, I agree with you, and I think it's very interesting to be able to do that because I would imagine in the Astros rotation, it would maybe take a month or two before Zach Granke started tapping uh, Brent Strom on the shoulder going, yep. hey, man, I don't want to go every six days. <laughs> I'd like to go every that's five. Right. Then it's going to be the Sugar Land Shuttle. Yes, man, those, is. Relief oh, man, pitchers, those relief pitchers are going to be on <laughs> Highway 59, oh, up yeah. and down just all year that long. Thing out. Right? But, but what's great about that, too, is if you're in AAA, you just have to buy one pad. You don't have to buy multiple. You can just get sign that one lease that's the best and go part. back and forth that's and not worry never, about it. That's never been that's the case for anybody. That's never happened for anybody. Are you kidding me? That's, that's a beautiful. luxury. Well, uh, Blummer, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, man. We're going to have a lot of fun during the course of this season. This you, Astros you are team. my pleasure. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. So uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, thanks to Josh C. back in the studio for engineering. Matt Boltz, of course, here at the ballpark. And our, uh, our shooting stars, Mike uh, Aguccioni, is here with the Gooch. Astros. Uh, we have a lot of fun doing these shows. So Astroline uh, will conclude uh, next week. Uh, will be Todd Callis and Robert Ford with a guest. Thanks again, everybody. Looking for a great place to bring your friends and family? Head on over to Carbach Brewing for some fresh craft beer and damn good eats. With our on-site restaurant and sprawling beer garden, there's always something for everyone to enjoy. So grab a Love Street Blonde or a Hopadillo IPA and kick back and relax. And keep up with all of our events by following us on social media at Carbach Brewing. Carbach Brewing Company is the proud sponsor of Astroline. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.